Hour one now of a Monday Talk of the Town. In for Tom Hill, special guest hosts Liz Bullard, Dimitri Coles, and Rafael Rosario. Hey, hey, hey. It is Liz, host of Coffee and Combos here on Talk of the Town with, um, we were supposed to have three friends, right? right? So, Roth, do you want to kind of uh, let everyone know where, well, introduce yourself and let everyone know where our, our third friend is? Hi, my name is Rafael Rosario. I am a guest host today here with Liz and um, our third co-host, Dimitri, um, had a little fender bender and um, he is fine. He is well. And hopefully he will be joining us later um, on our time here. So, But we do have a special guest that we are going to bring on the line in a few moments. And her name is Abby. And she is the content creator of Political Psych with Abby. And she's going to be talking to us about um, uh, political attitudes and, and, you know, where do our beliefs come from? Because this is an interesting year, um, Raph. We have... Uh, a new—I uh, don't want to say a new mayor, but like new people running for for the mayor this year. Yeah, I think it's a. I think people don't realize like the most important election cycle in Waterbury is actually this one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're so focused on presidential elections and things like that, and though though those things dominate the news cycles, um, the people that really impact like our everyday, our taxes, uh, potholes being filled. Um, lights not being uh, fixed and things like that, or our, our mayor and alders, um, and all of those are up for re-election this year. So it's going to be really interesting, and um, you know, with COVID, we had a lot of new people come mm-hmm. in, a lot of out-of-towners, so it's going to be interesting to see how that shifts everything. So um, after we bring in um, Abby from Political Psych with Abby to talk this hour, we'll be taking calls, so if you want to call in, please dial 203 757-1320. And we're ready for our special guest. Abby, can you hear us? Yeah, I can. Can you hear me? I can. Yay. I'm so excited to have you on uh, WATR 1320. How are you this morning? I'm great, and I'm, I'm so excited to be here. I've been on a bunch of podcasts and stuff, but I think this is the first time I've been on the actual radio. Woot, woot, because we're special. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Love it. And so, Abby, um, let me introduce you to my friend, Rob. He's here um, chatting with you as well. Hi, Abby. Nice to meet you. I'm so glad to have you on. Hi, nice to meet you. And so, um, before we pick your brain, I'd like to let people know. So, Abby here is from Political Psych with Abby, and she just hit a 1,000 followers on YouTube. Um, please check out her content. Content. It is informational, but in a way that is so engaging. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Abby, please share a little bit about who you are. And, um, you know, um, well, just who you are. We'll start there. Yeah, sure. Um, so, um, well, I'm, I'm originally from New England, uh, Massachusetts, not Connecticut, but I've, <laughs> I've spent some time in Connecticut. Um, and I lived in the UK for five years, and now I live in Chicago. Um, and in my day job, I do behavioral science stuff. I can't go into too much detail about it because I try and keep that separate from the YouTube stuff. Mm-hmm. And I run a YouTube channel about political psychology um, and... What political psychology is, is applying concepts and ideas from psychology to politics. So ideas about group biases and our thinking processes and 
um, group dynamics and social identity and all that kind of thing, but applied to politics. Mm, interesting. Mm, do you have a question to start off, Raf? Yeah, I, it's kind of heavy. Like, it, I would start, that's interesting about group dynamics. And I guess the overall question is, um, where do those group dynamics come from? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's an interesting question. Um, well, it's sort of hard to say, right? Because you can't you can't have a situation where there are no group dynamics where you have multiple people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say some of it probably comes from you know our evolutionary past. We are very very social species. Um, and so, you know, we are sort of, you know, we're evolved to interact with each other. And there's some really interesting ideas it, coming from psychology that essentially, you know, uh, well, our particular political conflict and our, the particular ways we define our identities in the modern day are new. The idea of having disagreements within our groups and having social identities is incredibly old and essentially something that's existed since we were humans or possibly before that mm. interesting it, it kind of makes me think of it makes me think of like locally so like locally um whenever we're talking about politics uh, it's always like we are con- a conservative town we have conservative beliefs in, in all of you know that rhetoric but yeah. when i interact with people they have very, we'll say, progressive views um, compared to to that group. And there's always this conflict, and we always kind of get stuck in kind of trying to agree on what to agree on. And so when you have different groups, how how can we have forward momentum is kind of like my question or where my mind goes. Yeah. um, So I was thinking about this because you suggested this question last night, and I think that there are sort of sort of three strategies I would suggest. Um, The first one is um, you don't have to get everyone to agree on everything Mm -hmm. to move forward on some things, especially when it comes to local politics, Mm -hmm. because unfortunately, not everyone is like super involved in local politics. So a lot of the decisions are just made by who shows up, right? Correct. so, you know, you find the people who do agree with you on a particular cause and get them to show up. Um, but also, you know, it's not, it is still worthwhile to try and persuade people. Um, and I see that as, um, well, there's a lot of people who might class themselves as more conservative or more moderate, but already agree with a lot of progressive positions. And there's a lot of polling on this, too, that... Um, especially if you phrase it different ways, um, you know, positions like being pro-choice or even being pro-universal health care um, poll much more favorably among the general public than they actually have, like, legislative support for. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you can sort of separate it out by issue um, and do work on specific issues, um, the extent to which I think you can do that is a little bit dependent on, like, the structure of your local government. And I'm, I'm not from there, so I'm not super familiar with the structure. Um, but, yeah, I mean, and that's, that's one approach. Uh, also, I think it's important to um, focus on trying to appeal to people um, in ways that are going to resonate to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that there's a lot of issues that can be 
um, more bipartisan or broader um, in the appeal of certain solutions if you phrase the solutions a particular way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Right? Um, like, uh, what was I going to say? Um, so, like, if you're trying to get more public transportation in the town, um, if you're trying to appeal to more left-leaning people, you might want to, you know, phrase it as, like, this is an economic justice issue, this is an environmental issue, that kind of thing. Uh, but if you're trying to uh, persuade people who might be more centrist or more left, uh, more right-leaning, you might want to go with something like, um, you know, this will reduce traffic. No one likes traffic. Right. Or uh, this will stimulate the local economy. It'll be good for local business. All these sorts of things, right? Mm-hmm. And all of these are completely honest and true, mm-hmm. right? No one's trying to trick anyone. Right. Um, but, you know, different people value different things. Um, and so, you know, you try and, I think, appeal to as many of those values as possible, I would say. Um, and I think local politics is a really good arena for doing that. Um, right. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Um, yeah, and then also I think that the other thing is um, focusing on persuading the people you can persuade. Mm-hmm. Um so you don't necessarily have to spend all your time talking to the people who are diametrically opposed mm-hmm. to you, right? right. It's, it's worth talking to people who are who are on the fence or who already agree with you but are less involved, that kind of thing. Can I tell you, that is like such a valuable point because I feel like a lot of time is spent trying to convince people who have been very clear saying, yeah, I I don't agree and I'm never going to agree on this issue. And then I feel like the organizers locally get very tired and burnt out and we're always talking about we don't have time. But I just think we we are focusing our time on the wrong thing, right? Like kind of like the sentiment of like, if someone shows you who they are, believe them. They have shown you time and time again. So like shift your focus on who you can persuade. And I, I do think that would help so many organizations, so many people trying to create change locally. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that there's this been this emphasis culturally on talking directly to the people who are most diametrically opposed to you. And I think a lot of that comes from, like, cable TV news, right? Because Mm -hmm. it makes, like, engaging good television. But I don't think that that's the best way to do do activism and also not necessarily the best way for people to actually get their news Mm -hmm. either, you know? Right. Right. So I have, yeah. I have a question, and and I, I think we talked about a little bit about this, um, and you know Liz and I and and other folks have have canvassed, we've knocked on doors, um, we've run several um, on the ground, boots on the ground type of uh, political campaigns, and we've you know talked to folks and we've listened to the community here in Waterbury, um, uh-huh. and regardless of party, we we all seem to agree on what the issues are, right? And then when you break out what those issues are and then into parties that then have to tackle those issues, that's where seems the breakdown happens here. Um, so in your in your experience, right, there, there's different ways we communicate um, things, uh, things we want. Um, and, I th- and the two that I was thinking about, like they're, and, you know, I, I work in comms, so I'm always thinking of how we, how to frame stories. And mm-hmm. um, in your experience, like, 
and and I've and especially on social media, sometimes you'll get back and forth where you'll spit out some either truth or facts, and that will sway people. And then you spit out the same truth and facts, and it puts up a barrier and a wall, right? And then there are times yeah. when you can share like a heartfelt story about how. Um, you know, street lights are out and how, you know, you, you, you feel safe when they're on or when they're off. And, and those stories then motivate folks to, to, to change in your experience, like, and, you know, we see the news and we see things on social media. Um, and it, and I think there's a pivot towards a more compassionate way we say and do things. Um, but yeah. is there a right or wrong way, I guess, to communicate these things to help folks get to, uh, that level of change that we all desire? Yeah, I mean, I would say that it's a good idea to um, communicate both the emotional stories and the, you know, the nuance mm. and the statistics, that kind of thing, right? Because, um, you know, it's important for people to be able to make informed decisions with lots of information and stuff. Right. But we're very emotional beings. Emotion is a huge part of our cognition. The way things connect with us, the way things reach us, and the way we remember things, a lot of the time that's through emotion, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I think you've really got to have that human element alongside the more, you know, policy blog element. Um, and I think also a lot of the time when you're trying to reach out to someone for like the first time, it may be a good idea. I mean, this is going to depend a little bit on who that person is, but I would think generally to start with the, the maybe more emotional element um, can help too. Um, but you also have to make sure that it's you know an emotional thing that they're going to connect with, that they're going to that's going to feel true to them, all that kind of thing. And it's like I'm not going to pretend I have a perfect solution there. Right, you know, it's, it's a that. nuanced and difficult thing to do, right? right. <laughs> Absolutely, I appreciate that. Absolutely, and and thinking about like the emotion, I feel like that really resonates locally because there's always this tie in with this person is, was born and raised here, or they have roots in the community, and that's the emotion that connects most when we're talking about yeah. issues, and it that seems to override any fact that emotion of this person being tied here. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. I Oh, I was going to say, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I think that that ties into the, the social identity thing, right? Mm. That's the emphasizing this person is a part of our community, right? A part of our identity, and therefore we have an obligation to look right. out for them. Okay. That's helpful, and I like that phrasing. We have an obligation to look out for, for them because that we've seen that whether it's news stories about something not going right or that really is the core of our identity is we have an obligation to protect them because they are a local um so that was helpful for me yeah 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 so i have a question about that too so you know and, and going back to like social identity right and i think sometimes as folks um tend to gravitate towards one label versus another. Sometimes we like we leave things out. Um, and, and, and going back to, you know, sometimes when we are presented with the truth, there are tons of emotions that come up, right? Mm -hmm. and, and the one the one emotion or the one word that I can think of that comes up the most is resistance, right? <laughs> Um, yeah. <laughs> how do how do we help folks 
Um, I, I don't like the term or or the 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 slogan. That, you know, uh, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Like mm. I don't I don't believe that. I think that yeah. the brain is malleable and it can constantly learn and grow like any other muscle in our body. Um, so yeah. how do we get folks emotionally past that hurdle of like, wow, I heard a truth that's diametrically opposed to what I've learned my whole life, and how do I pivot to a more uh, honest or truthful way without like losing much of my identity, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, um, I would say, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's some evidence to suggest that um, treating people with um, compassion and respect and flattering their egos a little bit mm-hmm. makes them easy to persuade. Uh, as my grandmother always says, you, you catch more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. Right, right. Um, yeah, obviously there's there's a limit to that, right? If someone is being, you know, uh, horribly prejudiced, you don't have to flatter those opinions mm-hmm. in order to try to persuade them. That might be a person you just try and move past for them or try and come back to them later, right? right. Um, but if someone's like on the fence and they're clearly struggling with it and you know, the, some of the conflict they might be dealing with is, oh, God, was I, like, a bad person in the past? Mm-hmm. That sort of thing. I think, you know, trying to, to realize, like, trying to, to give them the benefit of the doubt and act like they're trying to be a good person, mm-hmm. I think, is, is a good strategy. And, it's, you know, it's not always easy to approach it that way. Right. Um, but, you know, that, that is, that is I would say, what I would suggest. Um the other thing is, um, in terms of trying to get people to look at information and come to accurate judgments, um, there is some research I've encountered where if you just tell people to try and be as accurate as possible or describe the information back to you as accurately as possible, that reduces some of the, the, the biases that they'd be going in with. A Interesting. Bit. Yeah, like that. Of course, that's something that's more developed for like an experimental, you know, scenario where you're studying cognition than like actual political discussions. Um, I, I haven't read up a ton on like actually applying that, and that is something I want to read more up on or do research on if it's uh, if it's not something there's a ton of literature on. Um, but I think you know, um, you know, framing the issue in terms of um, you know, like let's look at the facts here and we're, you know, we're trying to get through this together rather than you're wrong. I'm right. Right. You're silly or mean or any of that kind of thing, I think is, is typically the way to do it. Although of course, you know, there's only a certain level of, of meanness and silliness that one should be expected to put up with. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I can see how yeah. that can definitely work in, we always have like community conversations or, or something locally. And if we added that element, I think it can shift us from talking to solutions. Right. Because right. we're always like taking in information, but we're never processing what to do with that. So I think that's really helpful. Um, because there's a genuine, from those who want change, I think there's a genuine want and need to have everyone involved in the conversation. But yeah. again, thinking about you don't need everyone there, but also when everyone is there, you know, how do you have that conversation? And um, really good information thus far. I think we need to take a quick break. So we'll give you a break and um, we'll jump right in when you get back. 
Welcome back, y'all. It is Liz um, subbing in on Talk of the Town. Instead of my podcast, Coffee and Combos, check that out on social media and everywhere you listen to your podcast. I am here uh, with my community troublemaker, Raf. How are you? <laughs> How are you, Liz? <laughs> Rafael Rosario here, community troublemaker. <laughs> and on the line, we have the wonderful Abby from Political Psych with Abby. Uh, she has been teaching us about political attitudes and, and where they come from. So, uh, Abby, how you doing? You still with us? I'm still with you. I'm good. <laughs> hey, Abby. So I had a question. I was, I was looking through, uh, I took some notes and obviously um, don't want to get too much into stuff you don't want to talk about, but it said you were in the UK for five years. Um, but I yeah. did want to talk about how you got into um, the, the concept of psychology and politics and, you, and your work on YouTube um, of all places. Um, could you talk yeah. a little bit about that and like why do you pivot and why YouTube? Yeah, sure. Um, it's not so much that I pivoted towards YouTube necessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just more, more of a side thing. I don't necessarily plan on having it be my, like my full-time job. Um, and I've actually been doing YouTube for a while. Um, what I was going to say is, so how I got interested in it. Um, well, I've been interested in people since I was a little kid. Um, and I got involved in politics pretty young, um, local politics to start. I was the student representative to the town school committee when I was in high school. Um, um, and then I stayed pretty politically active when I was in college, although that was a little bit different because I went to college in Scotland where I I am not a citizen. Mm. Um, so I could vote and I mostly didn't work directly for campaigns, but I stayed involved in local issues, primarily around environmental issues. Um, and during the summers, I did some work for some campaigns and stuff in the U.S. Um, and yeah, so like, I think I went into it. So my undergrad major was psychology and modern history. And I think I went into it thinking what I really want to do is apply psychology concepts mm. to under history. Right. Um, and that's something I'm still quite interested in. But as I got more involved in politics and that sort of thing, especially around climate, which I see as such like a time sensitive Mm -hmm. issue, Mm -hmm. I realized I wanted to do more that I could see directly affecting the world around me, like in the the modern day. Uh, But I don't want to underplay like the importance of the work done by like historians and people who talk about history. I do think that's incredibly important for understanding the modern day. But I, I wanted to sort of pivot a little bit more towards the uh, towards the politics direction. Uh, so I went and uh, got myself a master's in political psychology. And I actually released my first YouTube video the same week I started my master's, oh, I think. Oh, cool. uh, yeah, um, but no, it's not like I made it in a week. These, these videos take months to make. So I've been working on it for the whole summer uh, before, which was actually during the pandemic. Um, so that was like, I was stuck inside for a lot of it because the UK had really, really strict lockdowns. Um, and uh, also, I think that was the first summer since I was like 14 where I didn't have a job. Mm. Um, <laughs> and so uh, I, had, I had some time on my hands. Although I was, I think a lot of people found this not as productive as I thought I would be. I was mostly <laughs> sitting around kind of confused and sad um uh, yeah so so i kept the channel going during my master's um and um 
whatchamacallit. Yeah, and I actually found it to be a super useful, um, like, sort of add-on to my master's education. Also, because I, I have an Instagram account associated with the channel where I sort of catalog what I'm reading, mm. um, relevant to political psychology, and especially I was doing, you know, all my readings for my master's, and I was having them there. And I was mostly doing that so that I would have, con- you know, I was mostly putting it up on Instagram so that it would help grow the YouTube channel. But the funny thing is I think it actually really helped with my grades, mm. uh, too. Um, especially during the pandemic where, you know, that in-person interaction in class was less of a thing. So, like, being able to teach it to people online was, was huge for me, um, including with the YouTube videos as well. Um, and then I kept the videos going since I graduated. I finished my master's in the summer of 2021. Um, and I sort of I moved away from research um, immediately after my master's I worked for an arts management agency agency slash nonprofit and I'm gonna be honest with you that was a terrible job and I was bored <laughs> yeah, like, genuine advice for listeners here um, have the first place to work after graduation somewhere with an HR department and don't <laughs> be the first hire at a nonprofit um, yeah um, <laughs> anyway um, so, uh, yeah, and I realized, like, you know, when I, when I, uh, when the job at the, uh, the arts management agency ended, I was like, I was sort of reassessing and I was like, okay, hey, do I want to do researchy things? Do I want to do academia things? And I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, okay. And that actually, the funny thing is that that pivot, it's not that I pivoted to YouTube, it's more that YouTube resulted in that pivot mm-hmm. because I realized what, these have been a really tough several months for me. What's been good? And I'm like, well, researching these videos, telling people about political psychology, that's what's been good. And so then I pivoted a bit toward, more towards that in my professional life as well. Got it. That's so great. Absolutely. Um, do you have another question? No, you can go first. You can go first. I do, but you can go first. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Because I think yours might tie into what I have. Uh, my question. Yeah. So I, you mentioned history and politics, and this kind of has to do sort of with that. Um, yeah. And when we talk about like local politics, especially like in this town um, and even this radio station, how important it is and how this town in particular communicates things like radio, uh, traditional television, even the newspaper are still very important ways um, this sort of like older town communicates. Um, but then we have yeah. an influx of newer folks who communicate completely differently on completely different platforms, uh, particularly YouTube and Facebook. Um, so do you feel in your in your experience and in your research, are we undoing the work of mass media, right? When we talk about social identities, is, is, is that like the work that we're doing and pivoting and trying to um, get folks like sort of on our side with things? Does that make sense? Uh, I'm, I, I think there's a really interesting question there, but I'm not sure I completely get it. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, and, and I mean, when we, when we talk about like, we're talking about psychology and how we persuade folks, um, uh-huh. and we're talking about folks who technically have already been persuaded. Um, and that persuasion comes from things like our mass media that we consume oh, daily. Okay. I guess I'm talking about now. Yeah. I mean, I think on some issues undoing you know the the work of some media outlets is is necessary right Mm -hmm. um because you know 
there have been a lot of media outlets that have pushed, you know, prejudice or climate denial mm-hmm. or those sorts of things. Um, and yeah, um, so I think that, yeah, to some extent, doing stuff on, uh, on social media can be, you know, um, going against that. Unfortunately, some stuff that some people do on social media will be going against mass media telling people the truth, right? Right. Um, Not true. Uh, So that's that's not awesome. Um, (laughs) And that's why I put like citations under all of my videos because I don't want people to just believe me, right? Right, I want them to to know why I'm saying what I'm saying, right? Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think that... um, yeah, it's it's tough to say, right? Uh, because I'm not going to tell people like don't trust the news, right? right? Because I think for the most part, you know, if you've got like a, you know, if you if you've got good news locally, you know, go with it, right? Right. right. Uh, Agreed. Listen to it and that kind of thing, right? Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, I think that there are definitely some news sources that are more reliable than others. I would never advise someone to get all of their news via, you know, new media, via via YouTube, via podcasts necessarily. Right. Um, I do think that can be a really useful supplement, especially if there's like a specific um, a specific topic you're really interested in. Also, I think that, um, you know, I mean, the, the opportunities for new media stuff to focus on like really regional things, I think are to some extent underutilized, but mm. I think that's because YouTube and all that kind of stuff like is really focused on like ad sales and that kind of thing and that's not necessarily very locally refined mm-hmm. um, as much, right? Um, so I think that there is a problem with um, you know the, the current media landscape that it's not sort of enough local focus if right. that makes sense. Yeah. yeah it- um, and this, like, this, is, this is true globally, right? Like because uh, you know, I went to I went to college in Scotland, and I had friends from from all over the world. And I was having a conversation with a friend of mine who's from South Africa, and she was like, "I just hear endlessly about American elections that I have that I have no input in. Right. I really <laughs> wish there was more content on like, you know, living in South Africa. I wish I got more news about South Africa. Right? Um, so yeah. Um, um, yeah. Uh, what was I going to say? Yeah. So. Uh, Piggybacking yeah, off of, oh, sorry, go ahead, Abby's. I was going to say, I hope that answered the question, but I probably veered off a little bit there. No, great. no, absolutely. Because when you were talking about like that local focus, like there's, there's some of that in that vein, right? So we have like this Waterbury Talks page or folks are always talking about public access radio and like there are people yeah. that love the history and love talking about the town. And if we can yeah. marry that with like, Maybe challenging isn't the right word, but like fact checking, right? Like using these things in in to have this conversation about the news. I think that really could start to shift in the way that Raf is talking because like it, some yeah. of it, the components are there, but if we can bring them together, I think it would really make change. Right. Oh yeah, no. I mean, I think um, adding historical context to news coverage and adding current events to the discussion of history is like so important. Yes. Yeah. I'll be thinking about all of that. Um, 
in kind of we talked a little bit about like the resistance and all of that and you know you are someone that's in politics and talk about talks about politics my question is like how does the activist not get jaded or burnt out like with all of this opposition with all of this trying to you mentioned like citing your works that you you know you're you're undoing this issue of like I'm, I'm presenting my information right that like you're having this integrity right which is work in itself do you have any strategies so that activists don't model poor behavior or get jaded or anything like that yeah i mean i think honestly it is tough um i wish i had more energy right i wish i got more <laughs> um i think um you know i mean i think it is useful to take care of yourself and take care of people in your life outside of your activist work as well um like whenever i whenever i post a new video right i get mm -hmm. i get really anxious right after mm -hmm. i post it um so i find what helps with that is like going something where i'm away from my phone like i'll go to the movies or um one thing i found really helpful um for not getting really burnt out on my activist work and also like my day job has to do with climate change so mm -hmm. like that can be grim too right. and like exhausting mm -hmm. um is um like uh i do bar like workouts mm -hmm. um it's like and that's good for me because even though i don't know the other people in my class very well like i'm seeing other people and i am oh, forcibly away from my phone and my computer for an hour right. and getting endorphins and like it doesn't have to be exercise but like having something like that in your life i think right. is super important um no one benefits from from you being sad all the time right mm. um but i think also you don't want to end up with like toxic positivity right, right. like these are things that are completely legitimate to be sad about right mm -hmm. um <laughs> um also i think you know having other people in your life who care about the same things and will help you is so important mm -hmm. right because feeling alone is exhausting right? right um i mean i have a whole video on like the psychology of solidarity and the importance of like working with groups and that kind of thing um so yeah i mean i think you gotta find um and also finding where you feel like you can actually make a difference mm. rather than trying to on everything at once say because, that <laughs> yeah and so because of the nature of like the youtube work right like i have to spend a lot of time on like social media and like the primary way i promote my youtube videos like where i found i get the most traction is, is actually on reddit and so i see these posts all the time on like activist communities on reddit of like there's so much horrible stuff going on in the world i feel so down mm -hmm. i don't know how to deal with it and like that is a completely legitimate feeling but i'm just constantly surprised by like how often i'm the first person to suggest okay zero in on one issue join a local activist group about it just feel like you're making a difference even a, yeah. even a little one and you are actually making a difference but that will also i think improve your mental health but i should state because psychology is in the youtube channel name <laughs> i am not a mental health expert i am not giving <laughs> qualified mental health advice <laughs> I, I love that um <laughs> and I, I love where you said focus on where you can make a change um, because often um, and, and you know the, the sentiment rap like I, a lot of the people that I think we deal with are 
the always the one showing up. They're always at the one in the meeting. They're always the one championing an issue. And then they're not okay, right? Things that they love, their passions, their hobby are on the back burner, right. or they're tired, or like a project doesn't come to fruition because there's only so many hours in the day. So I, I do think like if we can really focus on where we can make a change, it would help us have a more whole, holistic approach to activism. So yeah. thank you for that reminder. Appreciate that. Yeah, and also, you know, if you notice someone like that, you know, who you're working on the same cause as them, and they're like doing great work but they're clearly exhausting themselves talk to them see what you can take off their plate you right. know see what you can for them and help them out with right because mm. it's not just about self-care right it's about caring for each other correct um, mm. and i i really think that you know a completely a completely self-oriented idea of like being well as a person is, is not healthy right right uh, yeah <laughs> Rap, any last questions before yeah, I ask I, I, Yep. Yeah, it's, it's kind of what you were talking about. And me and Liz have been part of, uh, we're, we're still part of several groups, right? Um, some yeah. larger than others. Um, yeah. But we're, we always, I always come across like folks in either on pages or, or, in, or in other areas and folks, they, they want to get involved and they want to form another group. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the safety of these groups, um, what would be your one piece of advice? Um, I think you alluded to it, but what would be your one piece of advice for groups, um, for our groups and groups moving forward as to what would be the top thing to either look out for or the thing that we should be doing in order to keep the group cohesive? Huh. Um, I think listen to people when mm. they present um, new issues and see how those issues can be folded into the group, mm. I think is important. But I also think um, if you can, if, if a new group is going to be started, if it can become a supplementary and allied group rather than a competing group in mm. any way, right. that that is ideal, right? Um, I mean, I definitely get annoyed sometimes by how many different groups there are for right. very, very similar <laughs> things, right? Right. But I do think that it's always better to keep keep these groups as allies as long as they have common cause, right? Yes. And, and to some extent, it's not necessarily a bad idea, especially in areas that are geographically large or very diverse in terms of people's life circumstances and interests, um, to have multiple groups for, you know, somewhat similar, somewhat overlapping issues, or if a group wants to focus on like a hyper-local issue, that's reasonable. Um, but I think still focusing on supporting each other and maintaining ties between those groups um, is very important. But I would say if a, if a group of people is just start considering starting a splinter organization, it might be a good idea to try and encourage them to form like an internal committee or something instead, um, rather than completely splintering off. Gotcha. <laughs> Abby, you have just been absolutely amazing as always in, in helping us um, just fine tune this process. Right. Um, we only have a, a couple minutes left before we take a, a break at the 55, 56 mark. But please share where can folks connect with you and the work that you're doing? 
um, yeah, start there. And then I have one last question. Yeah, sure. Uh, so if you go into YouTube and you just type political psych with Abby, I'll, I'll show up pretty soon. I've got a logo. It's like a little purple cat, I think. Uh, <laughs> so that, that's pretty easy to find. Uh, I've got an Instagram, which is just political site with Abby, um, no spaces. Abby is A-B-B-Y on all these platforms. Um, and then my Reddit is, I should, I should always have these pulled up in advance and I always forget to do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> my Reddit is, um, Political-psych-abby. Okay, perfect. Um, yeah, so that's, that's me on basically all platforms. Unless uh, unless you really want to support me and help me buy books, in which case I have a Patreon, uh, and you can find that from the YouTube channel. Awesome. Lovely. Um, and Abby, what are your favorite or YouTube videos that we should be listening to right now? Like when we hang up from you, it, well, actually, when we end the show <laughs> and folks jump on YouTube, uh, what are some of the episodes that we should be checking out? Oh, yeah. Of my, I'm assuming you mean of, of my, my videos, right? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, so let me see. Um, uh, I did uh, just put one out on uh, on the abortion issue, which I'm really proud of mm. pretty, re- pretty recently. Um, and I would say that one's good. And I would accompany it with my video on benevolent sexism. You could watch them in whatever order, but they work great together. Mm. Um, and that's another one of my, my best videos. My most recent video is about moral foundation theory. Mm. Um, and I think that that's a really interesting one uh, to get into if sort of some of more of the theory elements of the things rather than like applications of specific issues is interesting to you, that's, that's a great one to start with. Um, if you're interested in like uh, sort of politics as relating to dumb internet memes, a lot of people really like my video about why the political compass is really dumb. Um, <laughs> that's, that's one of my most popular videos and I think it's, it's quite good. Uh, so I would say that those are probably the ones I would suggest um, starting with. Oh, and I think that the, the video on the psychology of, of solidarity doesn't have a ton of views, but I think it, it's very meaningful to me personally. Um, I mean, they all are, but that, that's a good one to start with. Um, and I'll have a new video coming out probably in a month or two. Uh, it's going to be a fun one because I've done a lot of serious ones recently. That one's going to be about the um, why uh, why uh, 1776 the musical is such an interesting representation <laughs> of like, the, the role of That's the great. personal and the psychological in politics. Abby, again, just wonderful. Um, again, we don't always uh, see where we're making a difference, but you, you truly are. And thank you for taking the time to chat with us thank this morning. So All right. Be well. Thank you, Abby. All right. Thank you so much. It's been great chatting with you. It's been an honor. Thank you. Absolutely. Bye. And we all will be back after a quick break.